Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. An upside to the restrictions we've all been living under is that it's given time for more meaningful interaction on social media. My mate Kevin, hello Kevin if you're watching, uh, he got us doing a thing on Facebook where we named our top 10 of the 80s. I mean, where do you even start? What, what criteria am I using? But another really interesting one that's doing the rounds is one that says I've been nominated by someone to post 10 albums in 10 days that have really made an impact on me at any age. I've been asked to post the album cover with no explanation and nominate another person to do the same each day. So I'm sorry I've not got around to mine yet Kevin, I'm still thinking about it. But it's interesting, isn't it, to think about what has formed and shaped your musical taste as it stands right now. And when I think about sharing mine, actually, it feels like I'm sharing something quite personal. Because what music we're into often says something about what makes us tick. And in real life, more generally, there is always something that is making us tick. We're all living for something. Whether we're conscious of it or not, every one of us has a tune or a song, if you like, that we're singing or dancing along to in life, as we live life day to day, year to year. We've all got a note that we're trying to hit, a dance step that we're trying to time perfectly. What's yours? In this bit of his letter to the Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul is awaiting a trial that could well lead to his execution. And yet he says he's going to continue to rejoice whether he lives or dies. So what's Paul's theme tune of life that he's singing and dancing along to that can lead him to genuinely feel torn between living and dying as two great options. Now, before we go on, I think it's important that I acknowledge that the stats tell me that at least someone listening to this is or has recently been struggling with thoughts of taking their own life. And I just want to be clear up front, that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Yes, we're going to see why death holds no fear for him, but we're also going to see why he chooses to go on living, even though it's really tough. So if that's you today, I pray that God will comfort you 
and I pray you'll seek help if you haven't already. Let's get into it then. As I said, Paul is writing from prison in Rome, writing to the church in Philippi in Macedonia. And he wants to encourage them that, that it's all right and that far from being scuppered, his mission to tell people about Jesus is being helped by him being in prison. So last week we looked at his present situation, in prison, rivals preaching Christ out of bad motives. But how all of that was a good thing so long as the gospel, so long as knowing Jesus and the good news about him, being our Lord and Saviour, so long as the gospel is being advanced, it was all good. And now he continues that theme in looking forward to whatever may lie ahead of him. So Paul's a prisoner of Rome, but the Romans only had prisoners for while you were like on remand awaiting trial. If you were guilty, you were either executed or sent off to be a slave. If you were found innocent, you went free. So death, slavery or freedom. Those were your options. So that's the context. And then today's talk, we're just in two sections. So picking up on that metaphor of what tune are you singing or dancing along to in life. First of all, no stage fright. We'll look at how Paul is going to find the courage to sing his song. And second, theme tune. What is the tune that Paul and every Christian is dancing to? First up then, no stage fright. You know, I would much rather be bringing you this message face to face. But recording it like this does take the pressure off a bit. I don't have to get it all right in one take. If I mess up, I can always just do it again and cut out the mistake and you'll never notice. But if you've ever had to perform something up front on stage, you'll know the fear that you have of, of fluffing up your lines and the courage you need to deliver your part well. Well, Paul's stage is going to be appearing before Caesar, the emperor of all of Rome. And his song is going to be the gospel, the good news that Jesus, not Caesar, is the king and saviour of the world. Well, how's it going to go? Will he be up to the task? Well, far from being nervous, Paul is full of confidence. So from verse 18, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He's not confident because he's just cocky or up himself. No, Paul's confidence comes from the gospel partnership that he has with the Philippians. He knows, he knows that they're praying for him and that because of that, God will empower him with everything he needs by his Holy Spirit. Last week we thought about how God is sovereignly in control, whatever our circumstances. And you might think because of that, well, if God's got everything sorted, I'll just sit back and leave him to it. But Paul prays. The Philippians pray. And it seems their prayers were needed for Paul to get through this period of his life. See, Paul's confidence is in God, but he assumes as part and parcel of how God sovereignly works in control of everything is through his people asking him for things for each other 
and God answering those prayers. So part of our partnering together in the gospel must always be to pray for each other. And if you don't know what to pray, we'll start with this letter to the Philippians. Have a look what Paul prays and pray that for someone at church. Paul's confidence is in God answering their prayers. And he also takes responsibility for his own part in God's sovereign plans. So verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So verse 20 there, he expects and hopes. That means Paul is dead set certain that he will not be ashamed, but that God will give him enough courage. And courage there, it means literally boldness of speech, you know, the guts to say something. So to sum up, Paul is totally confident that in answer to his gospel partner's prayers, God will give him what he needs to speak with unashamed boldness in front of Caesar himself, whether or not it means he lives or he dies. Even if he's sentenced to death, that will be a win. Now that's courage, isn't it? I mean, I remember working in secular work in hospitals I felt brave if I let it slip that I'd been to church on Sunday. How is Paul so courageous? Well, remember chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Remember, God starts, continues and will finish our growth in faith. And Paul's applying that truth to his own life and death situation. Paul's courage to speak out comes from God. And it comes from having a clearer and clearer vision of who Jesus is. Growing in his love of him. Of Jesus' tune playing louder and louder in his heart. And him increasingly becoming unworried about what people think when he dances to that tune. I think that's why we get scared when we, of what other people will think of us when we go on about Jesus. Because they aren't hearing the tune that we're dancing to. And we worry about how strange we'll look and sound. How strange we'll sound and we'll get rejected for that. Well, have a look at this video. It's a video to Dancing in the Street with, you know, with Mick Jagger and David Bowie, but with a bit of a twist. Let's have a look. Jagger and Bowie looked really strange, didn't they? Because they, we couldn't hear what they were dancing to. But once you put the music on, though, we haven't got time to do it now, but if you put the music on, what they're doing makes perfect sense. It becomes contagious, and you end up wanting to dance to the same tune. 
And as our love of Jesus grows, we become less concerned about how strange we look dancing to his tune, because all we care about is how good the tune is. So to have courage, to be bold about sharing Jesus, pray for it. Pray for courage for each other and keep growing in your vision and your love of Jesus so that that love spills out even when you aren't expecting it to go down well as you dance to Jesus' tune. So keep turning up the music of his theme tune, our next section, his theme tune. You see, for Paul, the meaning of his life isn't his ministry or a successful trial. It's not even becoming people becoming Christians. He deeply cares about all of those things, of course, that there is life's work. But that care and that work are symptoms of, that's kind of workings out of the fact that he just loves Jesus. He puts it really simply, but really profoundly. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is Paul wearing his heart on his sleeve. When everything's stripped back, all that matters to Paul, the meaning of his life, his identity, his purpose, is Jesus. And because his joy is found in Jesus, he's torn between two great options. Verse 22 Going on living is a great option because it'll mean fruitful labour. It'll mean the chance to love and serve Jesus more and help others to glorify him too. Even life under massive suffering is good if it means Jesus is being bigged up, the gospel advanced. But he also knows, verse 23, that death for Christians is just a transition to God at last finishing the job of perfecting us as perfect gospel citizens of heaven when Jesus returns. So three, verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. It's not that Paul desires death, he desires Jesus. And as a gospel citizen, He's just homesick for heaven. You know, when Sharon and I were on honeymoon, we went on several excursions from our base in Slovenia. And the other holidaymakers on these trips affectionately referred to us as the coffee kids. Because apparently wherever we went, we didn't pay much attention to the spectacular surroundings. We just got a drink and sat together because we were more captivated by each other. You know, Paul is so radically dominated by his love for Jesus in every decision and thought, he's captivated by him. Jesus is the tune he's always dancing to. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it for Jesus. And so in the end, he decides because it's best for promoting the gospel, it's best for him to stay. Now, do you know why Paul, why Christians can think this way? If you don't, it's because you haven't discovered who Jesus is and what he's done. It's because you can't hear the music that we're dancing to. Well, let me play for you just a little bit. 
This is from Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, God the Son, volunteered to give up his place of perfect joy in heaven, to become one of us, to serve us by giving up his life on the cross. And he did that for you so that you can be in right relationship with God. At enormous cost to himself, he offers you the free gift of forgiveness. If you want to know more about that, know more of that song, a great place to start is Mark's Gospel. Or get in touch at woodcroft at trinity.church and we'll help you investigate Jesus. We're all living for something. We're all dancing to some tune or other. And a good way to diagnose what it is for you is to ask, what is it that, if it were taken away, would mean that life is not worth living? Could be a relationship. Maybe it's your career. Something your identity is wrapped up in. And those things are, are great and good things. So long as they don't become the whole tune that your life is dancing to. Because those records can get scratched. Those other things we dance to can be taken away in an instant. And dancing to them never truly satisfies. But Jesus loves you. And he is forever. True life, true joy is found in living life, doing life, living uh, our relationships, our career, our identity, dancing to Jesus' tune, singing his song. In chapter 1, verse 10, Paul prayed for the Philippians that they may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And what is best is always what makes Jesus bigger, what glorifies him, what makes him known. And so now in verses 24 to 26, applying to that, that all that truth to his own situation, Paul knows that it's best if he remains and helps out the Philippians as their gospel partner for their progress and joy in the faith. Paul knows that it's hugely important that we're there for one another as church because that is how God has chosen that we grow in our progress and joy in the faith. We really need each other. And if that's all got to feel a bit too hard, if it feels a bit dry and stale and joyless, is it because you need to recapture your vision and love of Jesus? Do you need to go and sit with your Bible and have a coffee with him until all the other music is drowned out and you remember how much you love him? Or if you're stuck repeating that same old sin 
dancing to that same old broken record? Is it because you've believed the lie that it's better than Jesus? That you need it because Jesus isn't enough? Well, it's a con. It's a cheap cover version which offers so much less than Jesus. Return to Jesus and hear how much sweeter and fulfilling his tune is. My prayer for all of us this morning is for courage. Courage to let go of singing along to our own songs and dance along to Jesus' tune. Courage to love Jesus, to trust in him, to increase the volume of him playing in every aspect of our lives so that he is glorified and that everyone wants to join in with us. So how about I pray now? Lord God, please give us the courage we need. Please give us your Holy Spirit to keep growing us in our progress and joy in Jesus. Help us to know and love him more and more so that we have the courage to let go of relying on ourselves and find our joy in him. The courage to turn away from the things we know are wrong. The courage to put others first as he did. And the courage to share the good news of Jesus boldly so that everyone may know the goodness of dancing to Jesus' tune. Amen.